Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. On our second episode of Rethinking Christmas, we're going to be digging into our lost perspective and what happens when we isolate one event from the rest of history. I'm glad you're back with me today as we just do a little bit of rethinking about Christmas. For me this year, it's kind of ironic since Christmas is going to be basically focused on redoing this house that we bought. And so we are just painting and stripping wallpaper and updating and putting in new light fixtures and refinishing a basement. And it's a giant project. And so, so much of the things that I normally do and focus on around Christmas time have been kind of set aside this year as we just redo this house. And so it's interesting because as I rethink Christmas with you guys as we're doing this series, it just reminds me of the most important things and how so often we get just caught up in all these extras. And there's so many things that we could be doing or think we should be doing or feel like we could be doing during this Christmas season that it's just it's kind of disastrous sometimes. It just stresses us out and makes us just feel like we're not enough or good enough or whatever. And so it's been good. Here I am rethinking Christmas with you guys and just remembering the things that actually matter. And at the same time, not really having the time to do all the stuff for Christmas. So it's good. Today, we're going to talk about our lost perspective. So often we take this one event, the birth of Jesus, and we kind of take it away from everything else that was actually happening in that time period. And next week, we're going to talk about how we add a bunch of extra traditions to that event that never really happened, people and scenarios and settings that were just completely fake, and we've just added them, and they don't really mean anything, or they weren't actually there. Today, we're going to talk more about just a lost perspective. Like, we don't understand what was really happening in the history, in the culture, and I just want to give you guys just maybe an eye-opening just reminder of what was really going on and why The birth of Jesus is just so special when we take the time to realize where it is in history. We don't dig deep enough into Jewish history or rabbinical traditions. As our evangelical American Christians, we kind of accept the traditions that we've just been passed on to us, and we don't really dig deep enough in. We don't realize that we are outsiders to the biblical story. And I think when I went to Israel back in 2015, that was the thing that just stuck out to me the most. Like, I am an outsider in this story. Like I am very obviously a Gentile and I do not get all the things that people would understand had they had I been a Jew. Like I'm just an outsider to the story. And I think so often we tend to just take this story and we make it our story and we use our own perspective and we just think we've got it and we just don't. We need to step back and realize there is more to this story than we understand without looking into the culture and the history surrounding it. We miss the anticipation that the Jews felt for the Messiah. I think we just take Jesus for granted. We just are like, hey, yeah, he is here and he came and he died and he rose again and blah, blah, blah. And we missed the anticipation because there were thousands of years of these prophecies, these hints, these glimpses into the future of what would happen. And so as a Jew, like this was something that was huge, like in everything, because like all the Jews, there's so much captivity in Jewish history from Egypt to just the different places that conquered them to give us a lot of captivity. And so the thought of this Messiah coming and rescuing was just something that they looked forward to. It's just this deep anticipation. And I just think we missed that. 
Years ago, I did a Bible study through Max Licato's book, The Story. It's a long, it's a long book. It's like 30, 30 chapters, I think. So 30 weeks of this Bible story. But it just took us through the Bible chronologically. And I'd never really done that before, just to take it through it step by step and just talking about like history and what was happening and just pulling the pieces of the Bible together in a chronological order. And I could not believe the anticipation I felt as we reached the New Testament. Like I was waiting for this Messiah. And when Jesus shows up on the scene, (laughs) it's amazing. It's amazing. And so I just, I would love to just encourage you guys just to take the time to recognize just what was going on and looking at the history and looking at just the anticipation. And so we're going to just dive into that a little bit. During the birth of Jesus, the Jews were under the control of the Romans. And they had been under the control of somebody for a very long time. If you look back at the history of Israel, I mean, you have God bringing them out of Egypt. You have, they were ruled by judges for a while. They asked for a king. They got a king. Within a few kings, the kingdom was split. And now they had the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. They had good kings, mostly bad kings. And eventually both of those nations went into captivity to other countries because they had refused to follow God's laws and and follow him and seek a relationship with him. And he went ahead and just let them go into captivity. And even though they came back to the land of Israel eventually, and they were able to build a temple again, like it just was never quite the same. There was always somebody kind of in control of them. And so there's these, they call them these 400 years of silence in between the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew. And it wasn't really silent, but at the same time, there wasn't necessarily prophets that were speaking recorded words of God. And so the biblical history just kind of ends there and you have to pick up on actual, just cultural, secular history to figure out what was happening. And so you've got the Greeks, Alexander the Great comes and conquers Palestine and he rules it. And after his death, he has four different people that rule for him kind of in his place. That goes kind of well for a while. They have some peace, but then there's another ruler that comes along and he wants to make the Jews just follow the Greek religion and stop practicing Judaism. And that doesn't go over for great. And there's this Maccabean revolt where the Jews try to just overthrow and that doesn't work. And then the Romans come in and they conquer everything and then they're ruled by the Romans. And so there's just this progression of being ruled by somebody else. And the Messiah has been prophesied about for thousands of years, like literally since Genesis is our first prophecy of the Messiah coming with Adam and Eve, when God says that somebody's going to come and he's going to crush the head of the serpent. It moves on through that. And I want to just share some of these prophecies with you guys. so You kind of have a background of what we're talking about. In the very beginning in Genesis 49, verse 10, God says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. And so you get this idea of this, this person coming, this Messiah who's going to come and rule and reign. And yes, there were other prophecies that talked about him you know, dying or being peaceful and somebody who was going to bring us peace and take our sins. But I can see why you would focus on these more like militaristic prophecies because you've been a nation that's just been conquered continually and you're longing for somebody to come and just rescue you and be the one that gives you this sense of, you know, being the one in charge. And so it's interesting. Here's another one from Second Samuel. It says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. And he is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That's 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13. 
So once again, we have this king who's coming to rule and to reign. And that's pretty exciting. In Psalms, Psalms 8, verses 5 through 6, it says, You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. And it's the idea that God is going to come and just provide this this ruler. And so the, the Jewish people were longing for this ruler. And they lived in this time when things were just not right. It didn't feel right to be ruled by the Romans and to have been ruled by somebody for hundreds of years like this. And yes, they had a temple. And yes, they were allowed to worship Jehovah in the way they wanted to. And you see the Pharisees being very, very religious and devout and just trying to follow the law. This was probably the time in history of Jews where people had been following the law the most. This was like very devout people who were trying really hard to follow the law of God. And yet they are still being ruled and it's not something that they would want. And they're still zealots who are trying to push back against the Roman rule. And there was tax collectors who were you know, going along with the Romans and working for them and taking advantage of their Jewish people that that were there with them. And so there was this conflict and there was this just tension. And it honestly reminds me of kind of the time and place that we live right now with this just political unrest and division and people who want completely opposite things. And, you know, it doesn't feel like a fun time to be alive right now. It doesn't feel peaceful or safe. We've got COVID and we've got new variants and we've got like all this stuff that's happening and and it just feels unsettled and people are freaking out and people are trying to gain a sense of control and we just see a lot of just anxiety and depression and fear and there's so much hatred and everything's so polarized and it's just it's just a hard time to be around and you're like what am I supposed to do with this like what am I supposed to do And so I think to a certain extent, we can just sit there in this messy tension and realize that this is exactly how it was when Jesus came. And before we go into just kind of like wrapping this up, I just want to like bring you guys over to Jeremiah 29 11, which is ironic to me because I feel like this verse gets thrown around all the time, completely out of context. And I want to just put it back into context for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. It's a very popular verse, and we love to just speak that and say, oh, God's going to make good things happen. It's going to be good. But without the context of this verse, we don't understand what he's really talking about. So I want you to just back up with me and realize that the people of Israel are in exile. They have been taken to Babylon. The prophet Jeremiah tells them, like, you're going to be here for a long time. This isn't a small little trip. You are going to be here for a lifetime. It's going to be 70 years that you are living in exile. And I want you to just settle in and realize this is where it's going to be. And it's not what you want and it's not what you were hoping for, but this is where you're going to be. So just settle in, build your house, plant your vineyards, get married, have children, and settle in. And in that context, we move into verse 10 of Jeremiah 29, which says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promises and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
and then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So what does this have to do with (laughs) where the people were when Jesus was born, where we are today? And how am I going to wrap this up and tie it all together? Guys, in our messy, broken world right now, with the uncertainty and the fear and the scariness and the anxiety, I see people trying really, really hard to make things work for them, to make things work the way they want it to work. And they're trying to build a kingdom. They're trying to find security. They're trying to get out of exile. And I just want to encourage you guys, settle in. This world is broken and it's always going to be broken. But that doesn't mean that there isn't beauty to be found, that there isn't houses to build and families to have. But just settle in. Stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to make it the way you want it to be. Realize that it's busted and just settle in. Realize that even in the middle of the messiness, that God has a plan for you. That he is going to do good things. Even if it's in exile. Even if it's broken. He is going to do good things. And he has not forgotten. And it's not our job to try to fix it or try to make it better or try to like build a kingdom. It's not. And it's not our job to try to find all the different conspiracy theories and, you know, figure it out and spread the truth and whatever. It's not. Just settle in. Live the little life that God has given you. Be with the people that you can actually be with physically in person. Love them. Love them well. Care for them. Care for yourself and take just tend your little garden, your little plot of land and make it happen. And just recognize like it's always going to be messy and it's always been messy. This whole 2020 switching into 2021, it's almost 2022. Like this is not new. This kind of stuff has happened before. We just get this false sense of like security and peace and how everything should be. And it's not how this world works. And so I just want to encourage you guys, Jesus came to a messy world. The time and place when he showed up as a baby was messy and hard and broken. And the people were in captivity again. They were in, maybe not exile this time because they were in their own land, but they were being ruled by another nation. And it was hard and it was messy and it was broken and they were just doing it. And in the middle of all that, Jesus came. Not to be a ruler. Not to be a king. Not to make an earthly kingdom. But to bring people back into a relationship with God. So I want to finish this episode just with some other prophecies. It's easy for us to fixate on some of the ones that were like, yes, king, reign, destroy the devil. And instead, I want to just remind you of who who Jesus is and what the point is. I love this one right here. It's from Isaiah 9, verses 1 to 12. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned. The people believe the fulfillment of that is from Matthew 4, 12 to 17. And he's talking about how Jesus came and he lived in Galilee in this humble area. He just lived in this land of shadow and he worked with these people who were just the nobodies. And that is good news, my friends, because that's the people Jesus is still seeking. Like I said last week, like that's who Jesus is still seeking. And you and I living in our land of 
darkness and deep darkness and shadows and whatever, like we have this light who's here with us, which reminds me of John 1, where it talks about the light has come into the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to the world, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. We're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. How beautiful is that? Guys, we still have hope. This world is nuts, and it's always going to be nuts, and it's never going to satisfy. But we have hope because Jesus became a person and lived with us and died for us and rose again and made a way to know our creator. That's hope. And he's coming back and he's going to restore everything and it's going to be okay. That's hope. I want to close with Isaiah 53, which is a beautiful, beautiful prophecy that mostly was just kind of forgotten because it wasn't exactly something that was going to save the day. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's crazy, guys. It's crazy. So the Jews longed for a king that would come and set them free from the rule of the Romans and everybody else who's ruled them. And yet they got a savior who would set them free from the power of sin. And many of them missed him. But it's not unlike us because so many evangelical Christians right now want to make a kingdom here in America, a kingdom that fits their plans and their morals. And they're missing the fact that Jesus didn't come to make a kingdom, he came to set us free, to give us a relationship with God. And he just wants us to have that relationship with him and to settle in in this broken world and to wait for his return. And to bring other people to know him so they also can be restored. So guys, as you look to Christmas and you get your Christmas tree and you decorate and you set up and you do all the things. I just want to encourage you guys, as you look around this broken world and you feel the brokenness. Maybe the fear, the anxiety, the out of controlness. This has been there before. None of this takes God by surprise. But he did not come to give us peace first. Not outward peace. Not riches or blessings or health. He came to bring peace to our hearts, to restore us to the Father, to give us a relationship with Himself. And that's the beauty of Christmas. That's our lost perspective. So if you have time, sit there with a cup of coffee or tea and stare at your Christmas tree and just remember like God's got this, and it's been this messy before, and it's about restoration. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. Keep searching.
you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.